0: Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's word. How are we doing now, church family? Good. All right. Uh, With the time we've got left, we're going to dig into session three in our Say Yes campaign. This is Say Yes Sunday. So the big focus this Sunday is this card right here the Say Yes card. You'll find it in the seat pocket in front of you, maybe one of the chairs next to you. You can find more at the display. The big encouragement this Sunday is for us to say yes to a conversation on what it looks like to serve in a particular ministry that we may be gifted for and God may be calling us towards. So this is the big encouragement today. This is week three. On week one, we said we know the truth that God made work. And work became work when sin entered the picture. But then Jesus reversed the curse. So now we could experience rest and fulfillment in and through work, partnering with Jesus, carrying his cross, his yoke. Part of that is submitting to his will and then sharing the load with Jesus. We know his capacity is high, isn't it? And last week we talked about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work within us and how each one of us is gifted to do something We can't do everything, but we are gifted to do something. So what is our spiritual gift, and what does that mean we should say yes to? What area of ministry are we gifted for? What part of the body are we geared and fitted to serve in? And then this is week three. We're talking about truth. We're talking about community. And now today we're talking about engagement. One of the ways we describe those three words is knowing the truth, being the in community, and then doing, engagement. Meaning, belonging, and purpose, the three things that every person needs on the face of this planet. Do you know your purpose? Do you know your God-given purpose in this world as a child of the Creator, a follower of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, with gifts for the building of the body? Do you know your purpose? Purpose can feel like a lifelong pursuit, can it? Here's the bottom line. Purpose is found in pursuit. I don't think anybody just stumbled across their purpose. There's always got to be some movement, some initiative. You got to take some steps. So we got the shoe here. This is from Mark's Work Warehouse. Do you like it? It was on sale there a few years back. Works good. Nice heel support. Purpose is found in pursuit. I love what Sean was saying about stepping out in faith to see God's blessing return to us. Taking a step. We've talked about this numerous times. Here's the thing about engagement. I can't force you. If you do feel forced, if it feels like duty, if it feels like obligation, if it feels like it's just expected or assumed that because you're in the church, then you should serve in the church, so I'm just going to do this because I have to, then that is, uh, let's see here. That's duty. That's obligation. Slavery. See, we got the shoe, and then we got the shackle. Pursuit isn't found because you're forced or because you have to do it. Pursuit is found, purpose is found in pursuit. If you don't know your purpose, you're likely not going to find it from the comfort of your couch. You're likely not going to find it from the comfort of your daily routines. In fact, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, right? Purpose is found in pursuit. We phrase it this way, finding God's will for your life. Anybody still searching for God's will for their life? Is this a daily pursuit? It's the the well-used analogy of the parked car. If the car isn't in motion, then you can't steer it. God can't steer a parked car. There needs to be some motion, some movement, some pursuit, some steps before God can give that direction. God can't steer a parked car. Finding purpose. It's like the kids looking for something and complaining they can't find it. Have you had this conversation? I've looked everywhere. Okay, well, did you look in your bottom drawer? No? Well, then you should look there. Okay, did you look in your closet? No? Well, then you should look there. If we really want to find purpose... There's got to be some effort, some initiative, some movement, some direction. We've got to say yes to something and we've got to start moving. We've got to try something. How are you actively pursuing your purpose today? Today we're asking the question, how do I say yes? How do I step into my purpose? Because engagement is all about purpose. Truth is meaning, community is belonging, engagement is purpose living out your God-given purpose, acting on purpose for a purpose. Here's the tension. Maybe this is where you're stuck. I'm a Christian. I'm at the church service in the church building with the church family most Sundays, trying to submit to Christ. So what's next? Took the spiritual gifts assessment tool there last week. I think I have the gift of exhortation, maybe some hospitality. How do I put those to use? How do I actually say yes? We ask, what do you want me to do, God? What's your will for my life? What's the next step? You know, God doesn't give you the whole story. He just gives you the next step. Here I am. Send me. I'm waiting for you to tell me where, when, what. Just make it clear, God. Give me a sign, God. How do you say yes? Who do you talk to? Where do you get the information? This is especially true if you're new to the church. You come and you sit and you think... Okay, what's the area for me? Where do I fit in? What's my purpose? Who do I talk to? Who's in charge of that? What ministries does the church offer? I looked at the website, but it wasn't updated for the last few months like most church websites aren't. How do I find out what I'm supposed to be doing in the church? I'm new to the church. Who do I talk to? We struggle to have the conversation, to take the initiative, to take the step, and we get stuck in this sort of analysis paralysis of all these questions swirling in our head. If I do say yes, do I get stuck? Do I have to do it forever? What if I'm serving with a person that I don't mesh with? How do I get out of that? That would be awkward. So if I do say yes and get stuck, then what do I do? So maybe I shouldn't say yes, maybe I'll just stay right where I'm at. And actually, the decision in your freedom, in your personal will to stay where you're at, becomes a chain of bondage in your life. And you get stuck in that spot because you're not willing to take a step. I find that it's always a bitter part of funerals. You know, you go to a funeral service, you hear all about the deceased. It's like, wow, that person was good at that. That person played how many instruments? That person served overseas? That person was gifted in these? That person loved woodworking? That per- and you find out all these things, but it's too late. To put them to use. I remember a funeral service at our previous church in New Brunswick. This gentleman, his loved ones got up and they talked all about, well, first of all, he didn't serve in the church a whole lot. Uh, once in a while, he would shake hands at the door like once every couple months. Then at his funeral service, all of his family members got up and talked about how gifted he was with technology. Man, that guy just loved technology. He could take apart cell phones and computers and reconstruct them, and he had some businesses in the tech field. This guy was a techie to the core. He could invent things. He had all these great ideas, but nobody knew. I didn't know. The tech team didn't know, and therefore the tech team didn't ask, and he didn't ask, so the lines never got crossed, and it just didn't happen. And then you're sitting there at the funeral thinking, we missed that. We miss that gift in our church. We miss that skill. I guarantee there's people in this room and they're stuck right there, right now. You have a passion. You have a gift. You have a desire. You have a dream. You have a hope. You just don't know who to talk to or where it fits or what the next step is, what the next thing you should do to get that going. What step of initiative do I take to find my purpose in the church? Maybe the desire is doused with busyness. But how do you actually Say yes. What does that look like? Where does that start? We've talked about truth. We've talked about community. Now we're talking about engagement. Where do we go from here? What step do we take? God's will is a popular thought, isn't it? Let's talk a little bit about God's will. When it comes to God's will in theology, there's a difference between God's general will for the whole world, for all mankind, for all believers everywhere in all places and times. And then there's God's specific will to individuals. I think subconsciously we jump over God's general will and we long for God's specific will. God, show me a sign. God, tell me what to do next. Tell me who I should marry, where I should go to school, what the next step in my life is. Make it clear to me, God. God's general will is for everyone. Look at Second Peter, chapter three and verse nine. This is a familiar one. This is what I think about when I think of God's general will. The last part of the verse, Second Peter three nine, it says, "God is not willing." That any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's general will for all mankind. That all men and women, boys and girls, everywhere, throughout time and eternity, throughout time in history, I should say, would come to saving faith. The offer, the invitation to accept God's love in the face of Jesus Christ. That's God's general will. God's will is that everyone would walk by the Spirit and so not fulfill the lust of the flesh. God's will is for mankind to be holy as he is holy. The Ten Commandments, a good practical snapshot of God's will for all mankind. The one and others we went through in the Get Together series, all believers everywhere. This is how you're supposed to act and live. This is God's general will for everyone. Jesus summed up the Law and Prophets in this, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. That's God's general will for all believers. Ephesians 4, build the church. John 13, humble yourselves in service. Matthew 28, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples. This is God's general will for all believers everywhere throughout history. But I think we jump over God's general will. And then we get stuck because we're waiting and we're unwilling to move. Waiting for God's specific will. Show me a sign, God. We think about, you know, Jonah. Go to Nineveh, Jonah. Jonah. We think about Saul. He gets stopped on the road to Damascus. You are my chosen instrument to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. We think about Noah. Build an ark. Make it of this. This long. Here's the measurements. Here's the blueprints. Here's a sign. Just do this. God's specific will to specific individuals, supernaturally declared to them. We want God to show up and tell us exactly what to do. But God's saying, you're not doing what I've already asked you to do. Are you fulfilling Luke chapter 6, Malachi chapter 3? Are you fulfilling my general will? How are you treating one another? How many one another's did we look at? Wasn't it like 22, 23? Are you fulfilling my general will? Go back and do that, and then we can talk about my specific will. Because I've already told you all kinds of things to do. It's like if you were an employer, and you hire this employee, and you go through the interview, And you take them through the training and you give them the employee manual and handbook and policies and best practices. And you go through it with them and you highlight things and you say, this is what the position entails. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. You start Monday. Monday comes. So what do you want me to do? Tuesday comes. So what do you want me to do today? Wednesday comes. And it's like, do what we already talked about doing. It's like parents and kids, we have this conversation all the time. After supper, put your dishes in the dishwasher, go upstairs, put on your PJs, brush your teeth, use the bathroom, and then we can do some things before bedtime. Read a book, watch a show, I don't know. And then three minutes later, the kids are sitting on the couch. What should we watch? Did you do what I already asked you to do? We're not getting into any more steps. We're not talking about specifically what we're going to do until you go and do what I've actually told you to do. God's general will, God's specific will. God doesn't patronize us like children, thank goodness. He doesn't get frustrated with us like a boss who's taking care of a lazy employee. How does God motivate us to do what he's asked us to do? If it's not supposed to be shame and guilt and slavery and heavy, and we're simply supposed to be following Jesus, walking with Jesus in step with him, then how does God motivate us to do his will? How does our will line up with God's will? This is what I really want to nail home today in Philippians chapter 2, if you would turn there. Philippians chapter 2. We've talked about Philippians chapter 2 a lot. I've preached on it twice this past year alone. I talked about the Jesus mindset. Talked about how uh, we need to have this mindset, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Jesus. That though he was in the form of God, he thought a quality of God not a thing to be grasped because he was God. He humbled himself. He lowered himself. He took on the form of humanity, took on the form of a servant, even to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given the name above every other name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then you get to verse 12. Therefore, because of all of that, Paul writing to the church in Philippi, my beloved, Philippians 2.12. As you have always obeyed, as you've always submitted to my teaching, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence. Paul's not there to be over their shoulder, wagging his fingers, saying, I told you to do this. Are you doing this? Duty, obligation, weight, slavery, bondage. But he's absent. So much more in my absence. Listen to this part. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul is not telling the Philippian church to save themselves. He's not telling the Philippian church to do the work of their salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, not of work so that no one can boast. Paul's telling them to work out what God has worked in. I've heard many pastors and speakers say that. God saved you. How are you using that gift of salvation today? How are you putting your salvation to work today? Work it out. Hey <laughs> man, talk about motivation. You need motivation to work out? Huh? <laughs> I do. It literally means to work down. To act to the end. To work it to the final conclusion. To go all the way, it means. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not just the introduction, Not just the first turn, not just the second week, but right to the end, experience the fullness of your salvation in the gospel. You see, I think Paul had to say this because he knew what mankind was like over and over again. God said two weeks ago, we talked about it, be fruitful and multiply, go into all the earth, subdue it, rule over it, have dominion over it. And how far did the people make it? They made it to the plains of Shinar. And then the Bible says they settled. And they started to work in their own strength and build the Tower of Babylon. Build the Tower of Babel, not Babylon. Man, how many times do we settle? Paul knew that the church would settle. Paul knew that the church would... would, We would dip our toe into the gospel, the good news that Jesus saved us, get our ticket to heaven, and then be content with that. And when somebody asks, hey, what is your salvation doing for you today? How are you experiencing and working out your salvation today? I don't really know what it means for today, but I know that someday when I die, I've got this golden ticket, right? But Paul says, work out your salvation. That thing that God has done for you, now it's yours to put to work, to use your gift of salvation. We know that salvation means for future, for the glory, for someday in the sweet by and by, but what does your salvation mean right now? And what's salvation doing for you today? Then look at the next verse. Chapter 2 and verse 13 of Philippians, it is God who works in you both to will, everybody say will, and to work. Say work. To will and to work. I love that because that's what we're talking about, right? How do you will someone to work? How do you give somebody the desire to take the step without turning it into a burden and a duty and an obligation and slavery and chains around their neck, how do you motivate somebody to step in God's will instead of something that you should do, you have to do, you're expected to do, something you get to do and experience God's blessing? How do you do that? It's God's work in you. Not only to will, but to work. That's English Standard Version. Let me read it for you in three other versions. New Living Translation. God is working in you. Do you realize that? We're his workmanship. Giving you the desire and the power to do his good pleasure. The Amplified Bible says it like this. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work. And that is strengthening energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose. Let me read that again. It's God who's strengthening, energizing, creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. Isn't that good? Look, the Weymouth New Testament says it like this. For it is God Himself whose power creates within you the desire to do His gracious will and to bring about the accomplishment of that desire. Purpose, will, and desire. God has a will for your life. God has a plan, a desire for your life. And he's working that desire and that will within you. He's not forcing it upon you. It's not chains around your neck. He's inviting you to step into it because he's working the desire in you. It's going to be your desire. If you're working out your salvation, he's going to work in you the desire and the power. I love that. God's will for your life. It's good. Not for evil, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, to give you a future and a hope. God's will is always for good. It's not for evil. If we would only submit to God's will and experience His blessing in our life, we could actually see the fulfillment and the purpose that that brings. But we also have a will for our life, don't we? Each one of us has desires, each one of us has hopes, has dreams. Maybe you're thinking, I hope He's done soon so that I can go home because I have things that I want to do today. We all have a will. We have desire. You can receive God's love or you can reject it. It's your free choice. You can say yes or you can say no. It's your free choice. And nobody can put that on you as a chain around your neck because that motivation will never last. You need to step into it. You need to have the desire and the will for it. And God works that into you. Think about verse 13. God is working in you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit we talked about last week. This is the act by which our will for our life lines up with God's will for our life. And it's a work that God does within us. Here's the thing. God is working in you. As you are working out the salvation that he's worked in you, he's not going to push. He's not going to yell. He's not going to force. His voice is still and small. He's stepping with you as you're stepping. I love how Paul frames God's work in connection to us working out God's work. They go hand in hand. It's all about freedom in the spirit. Look at Galatians chapter five. This was the reading reminder that we sent out in the faith newsletter a week ago. It was on Monday on social media to remind you to read Galatians five because this is, this is where we're really going today. And I don't want to dig into all of it, but it's all about freedom in the spirit. Jesus has set you free. So don't submit again to a yoke of bondage and slavery. You remember that yoke we talked about two weeks ago? His yoke is easy. His burden is light. We can experience rest and fulfillment, satisfaction for our souls as we work with Jesus in accordance with his will. So don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. It talks about the flesh. It talks about the works of the flesh. And it lists all of these sins. How when we act out our personal human desires apart from God, that is sin. It always ends up more sinful practices in our life. But if we walk in step with the Spirit, if we walk by the Spirit, if we are led by the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit, it says in verse 22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. If we are walking in step with the Spirit... Verse 24, those who belong to Christ, who have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, that's when we submit to his yoke, when we pick up our cross daily. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What does it mean to step in the Spirit? Look at the language when it comes to the, the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. You're going to have to read it when you get home. Walking, being led by, it's fruitful. It's fruitful. It's living. I love those terms. And then when it talks about the flesh, the only term listed is work. When work became work. The works of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads, guides, produces fruit, comes alongside, walks with us. But the works of our fleshly desires apart from God, they lead us away from God and away from his kingdom. We're talking about our will. We're talking about God's will. Works of the flesh, fruit of the spirit, black and white, death and life. So let us keep in step with the spirit. Engagement shouldn't be duty, obligation, rules, slavery, this heavy weight. It should be walking in step with the spirit. Not being led by a chain, but through our own will, submitted to Christ, We get to step into his desire for our life, which becomes our desire as he's working within us and through us, that salvation that he's worked within us. There's a freedom to say yes, to walk, to move, to follow. This should be what saying yes is all about. Freedom. No rules, obligation, duty, shame, guilt. Freedom to move, to walk, to step into God's will, to pursue his will and our purpose. You are free to say yes today. God invites you. Step with the Spirit, partner with Christ, God working in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Nothing happens by chance. Everything happens by choice to a degree. So what's your choice? Saying yes is a choice. Here's the final thought. Are you waiting for God's call when he's already called you? Are you skipping his general will because you you so want to get to that specific will and you want a good clear answer on what your next step is but you've missed all these steps that he's outlined in his word? What if God gave you the will to work as you worked for him? With him, through him? What if you actively pursued your purpose? So here's what we're saying today. This is a good clear first step. When you fill out this card, when you drop it off in the offering bucket or at the display in the lobby, you are simply saying yes to taking a step, having a conversation. This is not a contract that you're signing in blood that we're going to hold over your head like a heavy weight and a burden for the rest of your days at Faith Baptist Church. This is simply signing up to have a conversation, phone call, in-person meeting, whatever that looks like this summer, so that when fall hits, You have a better understanding of your place, your purpose, here in this body of believers. And you are ready to serve. So, would you say yes today? Would you fill out that card and drop it off today? We can have more of these conversations. Because just because this is the third week of the Say Yes campaign doesn't mean that it's coming to an end. The whole thing is designed as a conversation prompt to get you to start discussing what is engagement to you. How has the Spirit empowered you? And what step are you going to take? So I'm going to leave that with you and we're going to close there today. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father God, we thank you for all that you've done for us. God, we thank you that we get to experience freedom in Christ. God, thank you that you invite us. You have a still, small, calming voice. You lead us. Green pastures, still waters. Thank you that you're not shouting. Thank you that you're not yelling. Thank you that you're not laying heavy burdens on us. Thank you that you're not asking us to do anything that you haven't already exemplified yourself in sending your son and the life of service that he lived in our place. Jesus, I pray that we could walk as you walked. Spirit, I pray that you would lead us, that we would be in step with you, experiencing what it is to produce fruit through your power. God, I pray that we would submit our will to yours. I pray that any of those lingering questions or concerns, we would step out now today in faith and we would have these conversations about what it looks like to engage in the mission of the church. I think of the book of James where he says, don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers. Let's not deceive ourselves into thinking that sitting in a building Listening to words is what you've called us to do, Father. We know you want us to engage. We know you want us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We know you want us to love our neighbor as ourselves. We know that you want us to love you. God, lead us in that, we pray. God, I pray that you would work that desire within us and that nobody would fill out one of these cards today out of duty and obligation and shame and guilt and assumption and expectation but that they would fill it out because you're stirring a desire within them, just like we read in the book of Hosea four weeks ago. God, would you stir our hearts for you, for your mission, for your love for the world. Thank you for who you are today, Father. Thank you for those kids up in Journey, kids enjoying their PJ party day today. Pray that as we go this week into the mission field, that we would carry what we've experienced here today, And we would walk in step with the Spirit for your mission, carrying your message of love to the world, Father. Thank you for who you are to us today, God. In Jesus' name, amen.